This pod is brought to you by a special promotion at Waterfront Comics. Right now, get 60% off select Marvel graphic novels while supplies last. For you San Francisco 49ers and Star Wars fans, get your Jimmy Garoppolo, George Kittle, and the child pop figures from the lovable John at Waterfront Comics. Through January 7th, mention the Movie Pals at the time of purchase for an additional 10% off all non-sales items. Waterfront Comics is located at 609 Main Street, Sassoon City, California. Open every day from 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. And if you can't go in person, Waterfront Comics does do ship to home via their email, waterfrontcomics at gmail.com. Hey everybody, this is James. And Marco. And Nabil. And this is the Movie Pals Podcast, podcast number 88. Today we're going to be going over what we've been watching, a mini review for our Studio Ghibli little series here of uh, Ghibli films, the 2006 anime film Tales from Earthsea, followed by the uh, main review of the prime exclusive film The Sound of Metal. Uh, And one thing we will bring up this week, we did find Marco last time. He was just... uh, we got some shit for giving him, uh, being kind of mean to him, I guess, for some people, but I mean. Yeah, it was weird. He was hiding in, like, the sewer drain and apparently was just asking kids if they wanted to come and join him. Yeah, <laughs> Nabil actually got on his right. knees to get him out of there. He, I don't know if he was cosplaying as the clown from It, but it was it was weird. A little weird. I was we got him new drugs. I was hallucinating. <laughs> He's like, get on in. Everybody floats him, baby. I was like, can you put your shirt back on first, sir? <laughs> then we can talk. Next thing I know, I'm just being carted back home. Everyone's telling me it's okay. I lost, you know, two weeks of my life. I don't know where the fuck. You know I where was, he was. But... He kept still asking. He's like, "Y'all mind if we pull up and get some food?" <laughs> but I'm back, baby. I'm back. I'm here. Yeah. Joining. Picked up a skill. He can. He can wrap tobacco into a, a cigarette <laughs> now. <I don't... laughs> Very fifties of him. I don't know what the fuck it is. But, but you know what? He looks cool doing it. A lot of a lot of pain behind those eyes. I don't know what happened. But we're happy to have Marco back. <laughs> But uh, oh, yeah, man. so basically, <laughs> we just were like, "Hey, man, it was it was real." I was like, "I don't know what's wrong with him. We didn't know if we we're gonna lose him or not." We're like, "I think he's starting another podcast, man." Shit. <laughs> oh, the All right, so uh, without further ado, friend. the movie friends, the one to tell you about, her. that's <laughs> yeah. our backup plan. If we ever lose this name, oh shit, someone trademarked it. Well, guess what? We already have a backup. Uh, so let's get into uh, what we've been watching, guys. Hey, what you watching? So I'm gonna intro this one today, guys. So it's I actually it has been a while outside for Marco, I guess. But um, so I'm gonna start with Marco. Then what have you been watching, then Marco? Nothing, man. Remember, I lost two weeks of my life. So I mean, for <laughs> all I know, I saw every like, Stephen King movie, baby. Yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, there was quite a few things I saw. I was actually kind of bummed that I missed last pod because I did my due diligence and actually watched movies because someone who will not be named called me out on that. So I said, oh, well, yeah, that was last time, him. maybe. What about this week? <laughs> I was like, well, uh, let me go ahead and watch some films. I, I saw a movie that we were actually supposed to do, but we fucked up on the release date, so we ended up not doing it, and Which that's Mank on Netflix. Oh, nice. We have a little me and Nabella history of that now yeah. too. <laughs> the uh, the twenty twenty drama that just dropped not too long ago. It's directed by David Fincher. 
And it stars Gary Oldman as the titular character Herman J. Mankiewicz, or Mank. And basically, the movie is a look in the life of the screenwriter Mank in the 1940s as he's about to write the script for Citizen Kane, the popular movie from the 1940s. And Orson Welles basically gives him like six to nine weeks to write it. And as he's writing it, he looks back on his life and his relationship with William Randall Hearst, who is primarily who Citizen Kane is based on, and also Marion Davies. Because apparently Mank gets into a huge car wreck. It's not a spoiler. It's right at the beginning. And he's indisposed and stuck to a bed and has to write it, you know, bedridden. The movie is filmed like a movie from the 40s. David Fincher yeah. didn't he didn't use film. It's all digital, but he they went ahead and rendered it and it it still uses our modern ratio, but as you're watching it, it it looks grainy. It has a cigarette burns up in the corner. Uh the dialogue is mono, it's not stereo. It's it's how they used to like record film back then. That's how they mix the audio, but you can still hear things clearly. And it gave it a, a more like immersive feeling to it because it it's it's sort of meta how you're watching this guy write Citizen Kane and go through some of the experiences that he ends up putting in the script, which is cool. If you haven't seen Citizen Kane, uh, then I don't know what to tell you. The movie may or may not make much sense. It's it's really designed to sort of accompany Citizen Kane if you've like recently watched it or if you remember what the movie is about. So. When's the last I, time you saw it, though? Uh, last time I saw it was like a decade ago. But it's still, yeah. I mean, it's not that complicated of a freaking script. So, and I've read not up a really. lot on it ever since, yeah. especially because William Randall Hearst has actually been portrayed by many actors in, in various sources of media because he's such a huge media mogul back in, back in the day. I mean, he owned like 40% of all the newspapers in California. Yeah. And that's mainly why Citizen Kane did so poorly. But yeah, do you, yeah, do you think? Right. I'm. I mean, no. Me and Nabil have started this movie. We haven't finished it yet. Strangely enough, uh, I'm about halfway done. Nabil's what, like a quarter away or so. Yeah. Yeah. And so, wait, did you like it though, Marco? I I loved it, dude. At first, it's really? it's kind of a slow burn at first, right? But but as the movie kicks up and you you see. Oldman's performance, I think he does such a great job as the character of, of Mank. I mean, Oldman's always good at just kind of converting himself into a character, and you don't see him, the actor. You see who he's playing. And yeah. I, I just sort of like the the whole commentary on on power and, and those who have it and those who don't, and the illusion of those who believe that they have power when in reality... They're just playing the tune of whoever is really in charge. And if you watch the movie, yeah. like that's that that's pretty much one of like the grand messages. There's some sub some subplots in there that are just kind of thrown in there that have to do with politics. But but I like I like that they threw that in there because it makes sense to the script of Citizen Kane and why Mank wrote it. And I I I, I just for some reason I it just sort of felt like very relevant to today's time and and how you know yeah. even like big corporations nowadays they they influence you know elections they influence influence laws and things like that and it kind of shows that 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 shit dates back you know decades and decades ago and it, you know, it's a it's a trend that just continues and it, it just made it that much more meta are you, you know? are you a fan of citizen kane then 
I I like some the people movie. consider it like like ultimately like the greatest film ever made and all this shit. Oh yeah, it's 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 considered the best film ever made and the perfect movie. I don't think it's that. I think it's a. I think the movie is revolutionary in that it it benchmarked common things that movies would use as far as cinematography, as far as script writing, yeah. as far as dialogue Dolly shots too, and all that. Yeah, yeah I, you know, it, it was the first time that a, a camera actually moved before. Like they rarely they use many still shots before then. I mean, James could probably speak to this more than I can because you know he actually studied film, but he. In an interview with Orson Welles, like he even says that I just I just took a camera and I basically did what I thought you could do yeah, with, with the naked either. eye, yeah. and and I think that that is its its legacy. I don't I don't see the hype for calling it the greatest film ever made. I I I can't give it that for myself, but for those who do, hey, good for you. I I think it's a great film for its time, and I think that it's aged well because of all the the new you know tricks and and all the techniques that it uses but i mean that's about yeah. it are you I, a fan I, I of high praise the bill citizen kane yeah i think that's a great film i fucking hate citizen kane really? yeah i know yeah i personally <laughs> hate Citizen. Kane. i i think it's also because i had i was forced to watch it for school as you guys maybe Marco cool. mentioned yeah. it i went and studied film i have a degree in film oh that's weird to say right um and I've seen it like four times, so it's one of those movies where I think because I was forced to see it so many times and not just to see it to enjoy it, it was more like a, like we had to do like um, fucking scene breakdowns and all this shit of like multiple things. And I think I once saw it like twice in the same semester for different classes. I was like, fuck. Oh, so I can tell you a lot about that movie, but <laughs> I don't think that would affect me from liking Mank. From what I've seen so far of Mank, it seems cool. I mean, like I, I like David Fincher, so. Yeah. I'm looking forward to uh, finishing it. So I think that I think the story behind Fincher and and writing this movie I think probably skews my my view of the movie as well. His his dad wrote it. And he wanted to do it with his dad, and his 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 dad ended up passing away before they could do it together. And I think just that yeah. story alone make makes me give the the movie more points because of that. Yeah, that's cool. So uh, aside from that. Uh, it's streaming on Netflix, by the way. Mank, check it out uh, if you're a fan of Citizen yeah. Kane or if you're a fan of old school cinematography. Then definitely check it out. I highly recommend it. The other movie I saw is Tesla on Hulu. Another 2020 movie. Look at that. Watching new movies now. Stand up for date. Oh, sorry. Now watching sorry. shit that's decades sorry. old. <laughs> and this <laughs> is also a biopic slash drama. Uh, it's directed by Michael. Almereda, and I probably botched his name because I always botch names that are spelled weird. And it stars uh, Ethan Hawke as Nikola Tesla and Eve Hewson as Anne Morgan, who's the daughter of J.P. Morgan. The movie is the story of like the inventor, the famous inventor, uh, Nikola Tesla, who basically gave us alternating current, which is why we have you know modern electricity and stuff like that. And it was like, oh, I thought know. it was about the Tesla car. <laughs> well, kind of. <laughs> Shit, this is It weird. goes over the life of, of Tesla and his rivalry with Thomas Edison. Uh, yeah, the light bulb guy. Apparently, you know, they had a huge rivalry yeah. because Tesla oh, technically yeah. did invent the light bulb I don't know if you consider it a rivalry first. if uh, Edison didn't acknowledge his existence. <laughs> well, yeah, there, there's that. Uh, Edison just was yeah. so condescending towards him and just... I hated the fact that well Tesla was slightly better, and it goes over Tesla's contributions, like like I mentioned, alternative current. It also talks about the Tesla coil and all these other 
you know, crazy inventions that he made that were just ahead of his time. Like he had a way of mapping brainwaves, which is something that we can do now, but he did it way back earlier in the earlier 1900s. And the movie also (laughs) takes its liberties with how it tells the story. It's narrated by Anne Morgan, who's like I mentioned, the the daughter of JP Morgan. And at, at times like she'll stop the movie and she'll address the audience and, will start to describe what's going on in the scene. Even she's still playing Anne Morgan too, but like she's, you know, breaking the fourth wall. She'll also do random scenarios that never happened. Like there's, there's a scene where Edison and Tesla are having uh, an argument and they're eating ice cream. And then they just start like basically like putting the ice cream in each other's faces to insult each other. And then she stops and she says, okay, this didn't happen either. But I thought, you know, it would be interesting if this is how it happened. And all those things just kind of threw me out of the movie because I just didn't expect it. I went in blind and I just thought that it was just going to be a straight biopic mm. about you the life of... a Deadpool movie, basically? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it was... I The movie was just trying to be way too artsy. Like, it was just trying way too hard. One character, I'm not going to say who, it's like towards the end of the movie, just bust out and starts doing a karaoke song. Is it Hugh Jackman when he Tesla made him the clones? Dude, the truthfully, I learned more and appreciated more Tesla from The Prestige than I did from this movie. And this movie was more historically accurate. And I, I just wasn't enjoying it. Yeah. I knocked out a couple of times. I told James this too. I was like, bro, I fell asleep twice. And uh, I had to rewind it. The and trailer realized- made it look like it was a bit avant-garde. So it looked a bit more like artistic. Yeah, it was it was supposed to be like that, but it just I, it wasn't for me, man. I, Nick, Ethan Hawke does a pretty decent job as Nikola Tesla. I, I can't tell if he's supposed to have an accent or not. I'm at some points it it sounds like he does, and other points it doesn't. So that also kind of took me out of the movie. No other performance really stands out. Uh, and Morgan, she'll she'll go from like speaking like in the earlier 1900s to speak in modern as well. And I thought that was kind of interesting, but at the same time, it kind of takes me away from the movie and I, I just didn't enjoy it. So yeah, I can't recommend this one guys. Sorry, but you know, it's a new movie and it's something on not Netflix on Hulu, which is why I wanted to bring it up because, you know, just trying to spread out my services there. It's so, on my yeah. list, but it's not one of those like must sees of 2020. I was like, All it's right. got a cool looking poster. Yeah, I mean, if you're really bored shit. and you're really curious, and, and you, then this is probably for you. But I honestly just I I can't really force someone to kind of watch this and say, yeah, have fun. Yeah, I mean that's what I I, I assumed after you, you kind of gave us a heads up about it the other day. I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> But yeah, uh, what about you, Nabil? What have you been watching? I actually got a few films on my belt for, you know, trying to keep things going. Awesome. Okay, James, I, uh, what about you? <laughs> cool. Thanks, Nabil. <laughs> Since the holidays, I've been uh, trying to peruse a bit in some of the holiday movies. Uh, I, I think you saw this film, James. I, I got a chance to see The Happiest Season on Hulu. Yes, I did. Yeah, that's liked starting. it a lot. Yeah, uh, starring Kristen Stewart as Abby and Mackenzie Davis as Harper. Basically, it's a romantic comedy uh, that kind of goes through wanting your family's acceptance about being your true self and trying not to ruin Christmas, that kind of same story. But um, I don't know, it's told in, in a different way, a little bit more... 
it's it's not as wholesome, but it's also entertaining in for the holiday season. You know, it's it's, it's kind of the same old story, but for some reason. Uh, I don't know, Kristen Stewart, especially like the performances she gives in here. I kind of, I really like her in this film. Uh, she's very, very likable. She's out visiting her girlfriend's family, Mackenzie Davis, uh, and trying to get uh, involved in their Christmas holiday. And mm-hmm. Mackenzie ha- hasn't really been 100% honest about who Kristen Stewart is in her life and is trying to live her life while also having you know her girlfriend around and so that's that's kind of you made it almost you made it almost sound like it's like she's hiding the fact that kristen stewart like in real life (laughs) the way you said it like she's hiding the fact that she's an actress that was in twilight Mm. and also she hasn't told her parents she's gay by the way so yeah basically is basically what the plot is yeah Mm -hmm. and that's and that i mean that essentially is it but it's it's funny kristen stewart doesn't have a lot of like comedic lines but She's she's very believable in her story. You kind of feel for her and what she's going through. But you have like Dan Levy, uh, who's in here, who is hilarious every time he's in there. Um, he you have Bobby, I like Aubrey his Plaza subplot, by the way. Yeah, about the um, tracking, the pets and stuff yeah. like that. And like, where would I? Let's say I wanted these fish. Where would I find these fish? Yeah. And I'm like, fuck, this is this is pretty hilarious. So yeah, he's he's only in a few scenes, but every time they show him, I think it's hilarious. Um, you also have Aubrey Plaza in there who. Uh, who does a very good? She's playing a straight. Uh, uh, actually, she's lesbian, but like she's playing the straight person in the film. Like, uh, doesn't necessarily sound any jokes. She's kind of the anchor for Kristen Stewart's character, Abby. But at the same time, she's also very funny. Uh, and I don't know if that was supposed to be intentional or not, but it, maybe that's just her. I almost feel like Aubrey Plaza is just naturally funny, though. Yeah. You know I mean? Yeah. So. It's. I don't want to. I mean, it's a pretty by the book story as as far as the plot's concerned, but the movie itself is actually a very entertaining and refreshing take on on that whole, you know, visiting your family and in this case it's coming out, so it's a bit different from that perspective. But it's still about trying to feel included in somebody else's family and trying to have that significant other, you know, be true to herself and. Uh, outwarding to the rest of the family and it's it's really really i think it's a good overall holiday film I'm, I'm looking forward to kind of making this a repeat because for some reason i think that this is gonna have a good replay value for the next year as well especially with the jokes they're still it's it's entertaining enough that you could just keep watching it and be like oh that's especially again with like uh dan levy and uh, even allison brie i think i forgot to mention is in here too and she's she's just as funny yeah. as well Her, i mean truly all the sisters are there's the yeah. younger sister too that feels left out <laughs> she is yes yeah, i forgot what her name was but uh she's fucking hilarious too and, yeah. and you kind of feel bad for her too it's like oh man and she just like in some parts she's like i just want to be included and it's like yeah that's hilarious, I, don't have, but also I think sad. at one point she's like I don't have any secrets, but I'm an ally. And she just stands yeah. there and it's like, what the fuck? It's so <laughs> random, dude. Yeah. But yeah, I, I liked it a lot. I, I actually saw it with my parents and um, I my mom liked it a lot. So Yeah, I, I definitely recommend watching it. If you're looking for a different holiday film, A Happy Season on Hulu, I think is a great watch and, and a good, good watch actually with your family as well. See, don't see Tesla on Hulu. Go see Happiest Season. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I second that. <laughs> And then I've uh, I've also watched a show on HBO Max, uh, one of their original shows, which is crazy, because uh, I don't really know many of their originals of HBO Max. But 
there's a show called The Flight Attendant, and that's starring Kelly Cuoco, uh, who's a flight attendant on there. Uh, she basically wakes up in a hotel with this guy that she was with the night before and finds out that he's dead. Mm, and James no idea how. <laughs> I was going to say, in Marco's <laughs> biopic? Like, what, what? What's the story about, guys? <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, shit. Not again. <laughs> it's uh, happening. Essentially, she gets questioned. <laughs> she gets questioned by FBI agents uh, and is not able to really put the pieces together to figure out what happened. And so she starts wondering if she was the killer. Uh, and so is trying to solve, essentially solve Sorry, the murder. Sorry, Bill, this is definitely sounding like my last two weeks right now. <laughs> it's a what, what is this? <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it's, is it good? it's an interesting, it is good. It's an interesting take. The way this this show is made. Uh, so they're do- releasing it's every week episodes uh, every Thursday night on HBO Max, of and course. I think they're on episode seven is the latest. And and the way they're doing this, it's it's kind of like a comic book. It's based off of a novel, and they do like some interesting cuts that are like comic booky as far as like mm-hmm. transition scenes and like even the intro is very interesting. Uh, Can you buy it at Waterfront it, Comics? But- uh, you know, you might be able to. I, I don't know if it's actually oh, because now that I'm not interested in the bill. It's on a, is it a graphic novel or a normal? Well, uh, I, as far as I recall, it was just a novel itself. But oh, okay. That, is there any particular reason why they're doing a comic? I, I don't it? know. Because <laughs> it's, it's, just it's a not related, choice? but it's a style yeah, choice. Like, yeah. But it's entertaining, though. It, that kind of works because it's a bit of a it's a comedy ish. It's like a dark comedy. Uh, it's a bit quirky. Uh, it's a mystery for sure. As things keeps unraveling, uh, and you're trying to figure out, and you you feel invested. Like at first, it just starts kind of like a by the by the numbers kind of stories like okay this girl she's a flight and shoves around she's a bit casual and promiscuous and then um meets with this guy who you know and essentially wakes up uh, finds out the next day's dead but then that's where the story starts getting interesting now it's just like you learn there are layers about her she's in her head a lot and you get to see her th- essentially thinking in her head um, and it's yeah. very interesting there's a lot of scenes taking place over there and you get to learn more about her character and what she's thinking in the moment um, she's she's got a lot of personal issues that you can find interesting. You find out friends around her and what they're dealing with and how they look at her, and and then just the murder itself, the different clues that lead up to what she's trying to discover. It's it's all for some reason it just keeps driving me to want to see more. Like I've I've kind of gone through the episodes pretty quickly, surprisingly enough, and uh, I, I'm happy that it is probably weekly because. Uh, I would have probably already been through it, so it's something to look forward to at this point. But um, it is—it is a very—it's a different thing. It's—it's it's, like I said, it's funny, it's mis—it's mysterious, and you—you want to—you want to learn more about the characters as they keep going and knowing, you know, how this is all going to turn out. Which you know, I always like a good mystery, so it's good to find yeah, something definitely. on there, cool. um, especially in a series instead of a movie that you can kind of keep digging into, and it's not too dark of a theme, even though murder is nice. pretty dark. Yeah, I've, I've been seeing ads for it whenever I go on HBO Max and. I've been meaning to check it out, but there's there's already so much stuff on that on that app that I haven't. But it's definitely one I'll probably add to my list. What about you, James? What have you been watching? I've been watching a lot of movies. Yeah, yeah. Is there a particular a movie noticed. specifically that you want to bring up? There's four I want to talk about because I think I can knock through them pretty quick. I saw 22 movies in the last two weeks. I'm only three movies away from my 366. I know we said it last pod uh, when me and Debil, Nabil and I, sorry, let me use the proper grammar here, uh, we're talking about it, but I'm I'm pretty much there. It's going to happen. So There's still 17 days left in the year, though. James. I mean, we've got to watch two movies for the next pod, so no matter what, it's happening. 
unless some freak accident happens in the next two hours. Are we are um, we gonna do a celebration? Or are we gonna we gonna? I don't know, man. I don't know if anybody can even cross this finish line with me because I'm like, <laughs> I might just watch and be like, fuck, I already watched the other movie. No, I mean, we do a watch I, party. I'm saying. I'm we, down. I mean, it'd be like tomorrow kind of thing. We're, now, like, we're announcing it <laughs> on Move Pals right now. We're doing yeah, a watch party. Yeah, it'd be break. like, hey. <laughs> it's tomorrow. Fucking live stream. Fucking, <laughs> yeah, because actually I am, I am seeing a, I have a screener I'm watching tomorrow. I'm watching that Gerard Butler movie. Uh, Greenland Gerard or Butler has a film? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I have a screen here tomorrow I gotta watch. So, I picked the ones that I thought would be best to talk about, just because I think they're interesting, and I don't think we've ever talked about these movies. Three are from 2020, one is from 2018, I think. So, I saw the horror film Possessor. I don't know if you guys have heard about this one or not. No, I have not. It's uh, directed by Brandon Cronenberg, so that's David Cronenberg's son, so I guess they're just really into fucked up shit. Um, like <laughs> body horror and all this shit. So like, I, I don't know if you ever seen like video drone or whatever. So, um, so Possessor is a movie. I get Possessor Uncut. I guess there's two versions of the movie. The uncut version is the one I saw, and it is about an uh a lady that's like an agent that works for like this unknown like they don't quite actually tell you where she works for. It's like a um organization that basically does assassinations, and it's kind of it's set in the near future where. They basically plug in and they hack into somebody's kind of system or their body and they become they become that person, thus the possessed part of it all. So she's tasked with like killing, bear with me here, she's tasked with killing a father and daughter so that this company falls into someone else's hands, basically. Oh. And uh, I'll tell you right now, man, it's pretty fucking fucked up. <laughs> like, it is super violent. It man. sounds like so a sounds horror like version be. that's mixed with altered carbon and Inception. <laughs> if you ever want to yeah. see somebody like cut someone's face off and wear it and shit, I mean, this is the movie for you, man. I mean, um, I liked it though. It was pretty. Uh, <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> he said, "You know, but it's great." It was actually pretty good. It, it does get a little heavy-handed near the end, I think. But and I mean, man, there's just gratuitous nudity throughout. I'm like, this is not one of those holiday movies you'd want to watch, I guess. <laughs> With your family, it was over here all being happy and uplifting. <laughs> fucking James yeah. is like, Hashtag not family friendly. <laughs> I mean, I guess, uh, apparently, I think that I was watching, I, I watched Red Letter Media on YouTube, and I think they were saying the theatrical cut might be the better version to watch because I think the uncut version does go a little far. Like, at one point, it, it's pretty gruesome. Oh, I like, think the I nudity think just distracts me too much, man. I think it's like <laughs> NC 17, damn near. Like, oh, um, gosh. There, there's a scene where there dude's like ripping a dude's eye out, like, and you see the whole thing. Oh, shit. And it's like, yeah, it's pretty intense. And, uh, you know, I'm doing this while like writing reports and shit. I'm like, oh, that's weird. That's some shit they haven't done since the 80s. So. Yeah, but I mean, it, it almost seems like a little bit too much. But for the most part, it's an intriguing thing because the girl that plays it, it's uh, Andrea, Andrea Riseboro, I think. And she basically is like losing control and is like the person's fighting back, like getting his body back. And she's trying to like get the mission done. And um, it's pretty rough. But I, I'd say if you're in a like a pretty decent horror movie, I'd check it out. So nice. Uh, another one I saw, I just saw it on Saturday, this one, oh, by the way, so that Possessor is, you have to either rent that online, or it's on VOD, so, um, I bought it, because it was like eight bucks or something during Black Friday, <laughs> so I was like, okay. Uh, I saw on HBO Max, I was telling, uh, Bill about this one, the, there's a documentary, I, I'm not really into documentaries too much, but there was a documentary on the Bee Gees that came out, 
I don't know if you guys heard this one. Stay it's alive, called man. The, the Bee Gees, How Can You Mend a Broken Heart? It's a documentary that just premiered this Saturday on HBO Max. It's currently streaming on there right now. It is from the same director, I believe, that did the Beatles documentary on Hulu, the eight days a week one. So take a look at it. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I, I like the Bee Gees a lot. My, I grew up listening to them because my mom is a really big big Bee Gees fan. So. Yeah, same. Yeah, my family's a big um, Bee Gees fan. Yeah, awesome. So if you've ever been interested in anything on the Bee Gees and like what their history was and how they started and what all the stuff they went through and all this jazz, I guess, I would highly recommend it. I liked it a lot. If anything, it, it really breaks down like how they created some of the songs, especially for Saturday Night Fever, was one of the biggest hits on their end. And it's crazy because they actually won Album of the Year and it was for a soundtrack. So I know. Crazy. It's fucking like... Holy shit, right? So Too bad Queen can and, do it. Uh, there's a lot of like sadness, though, in that band because the all the brothers died. The only one that uh, survived is... Uh, the Brady eldest, and Barry Stall. Yeah, yeah, everyone else died. There was this really bad incidents, and it shows like the rise and fall of disco and how they were incorrectly listed as a disco group when they had been doing pop music their whole life. And they even go into later years of how they started writing songs. And I, I was surprised by some of the songs they wrote. I, I had no idea that they had written these songs for uh, pop artists and like stuff for like Celine Dion and stuff like that. So it's, it's a really oh, good, nice. um, it's a really good dive into it. And they even intercut it with interviews from like present day artists, like Justin Timberlake's on there. Mark Ronson's on there. The dude from fucking Coldplay and Oasis are on there. So, I mean, they kind of are talking about their influences and how the Bee Gees have, started something quite different because of their the unique way of uh their falsetto and stuff so check it out that's on hbo max so that one nice, was man that one was fun actually and if anything like i said it made me want to just listen to beachy stuff afterwards i was like i want to i want to just listen to more of this i just want to dance yeah that's probably one i, I may want to check out with my mom she's a she's a huge bg's fan also yeah definitely definitely and i think it's one of those uh you learn a lot more than you than you might have never thought you'd ever need to know i guess is what i'm getting at Plus, anything with music, I'm almost always interested in. So, good stuff. Yeah, definitely. I saw also a comedy drama slash romance, I guess. This is kind of one of the more random ones, but I watched this movie called Made in Italy. You just made the bill take off a shirt. <laughs> He's like, Italy? Uh, this is a movie that was released in 2020 as well. I rented it. It was only 99 cents, I believe, on iTunes. So I added it to my list here, and it basically it is about a father and son, played by Liam Neeson and Michael Richardson, who actually, by the way, is his real-life son in real life. That's his real son. So, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so Liam Neeson and his son are in this spot. Uh, by the way, so did you see his previous one, the Cold Pursuit one? No, I had not watched it. Yeah, they're both in that, too, and he plays his son in that one, too. So, oh, second shit. movie now. So... Basically, they the son, uh, played by Michael Richardson, his name is Jack. He is trying to buy an art gallery and because he's getting a divorce. And his dad and he are basically half and half on a house in Italy where they actually grew up. And very much like in real life with Liam Neeson and his son, their, their wife died early on. And so it's something that affected him. And they are basically going to Italy to fix up the house and sell it. 
so that the son can basically get the money to buy the gallery and the dad can have whatever. But when they're in Italy, like any romance, they meet the locals and, you know, they start suddenly realizing, you know, it's one of those father-son kind of movies where they have a connection and throughout rebuilding the house and fixing it up, the son is realizing how much the dad went through and such. And meanwhile, uh, Jack also meets a chef there named Natalia that is kind of like reinvigorating his own life and making him realize maybe um, maybe the gallery isn't all what it was up to be and maybe he can even have a life in Italy and all this. So it's a cute movie. I'll say that much. It is a, it, it didn't go where I thought it was going to go. It's definitely not as predictable, so it's not one of those movies that you can't think. I think the coolest thing about this is that I don't know if you guys are familiar with the actor James Darcy. Yeah. He uh, is the voice. Not really. Um, where the fuck is he? He's Jarvis in um, the Agent Carter, and actually he has a little cameo in Avengers Endgame. I stand corrected. I know who he is then. Yeah, and then he's also in that uh, Wachowski siblings movie. What the fuck was it? The one with Tom Hanks where they speak Old weird. Atlas? Yeah, he's in there. He's one of the characters in there too. Uh, this is his first movie he directed, by the way. So oh. he's getting into directing, and I think it's a really first, uh, good, solid first effort. I really enjoyed it. There are some very funny moments in it. I think because Liam Neeson and Michael Richardson are real father and son, there's a there's a dynamic in that that you can't fake or act. It's just natural, and I liked it a lot. And it's it's quite it's a it's a little more sad than you think too, because obviously they're dealing with selling a place that means a lot to both of them, and um. I liked it. It's probably called different because Liam Neeson so. isn't going around just murdering people left and right. So yeah, it, it, it's like a, like I said, father son relationship, but there's there's more yeah. to it than that. And I, I liked it quite a bit. So where can you see that? Is that on demand? That's on demand too. So that is uh, like I said, I rented it for like ninety nine cents, but I, I'm pretty sure maybe eventually it'll be on streaming. I don't know, but it's on one of those guys. Somebody and lastly, it. I'll make it quick. I saw the Nutcracker of the Four Realms. I'm only bringing this up because this movie got trashed when it came out, right? <laughs> and I've been talking about it. Um, this is on Disney Plus, by the way, right now, so you can actually see it if you have Disney Plus streaming. And truthfully, I just wanted to watch. I've been watching holiday stuff with my parents too, Nabil, much like you. So it's one of those things where you know I, uh, I I'm okay with holiday films, Christmas films. You know, I just after truthfully, I'm kind of one and done a lot of them. Like, how many fucking times can you watch The Grinch? You know. And how many times can you watch fucking Christmas Carol? Or there's 17,000 variations of Christmas Carol, right? right? So I'm like, fuck, do we got to watch another one? So I I mean, this has been on my list because I was like, I've never seen this one. So at least it's, it's fairly loose. New. Yeah. And I mean, it did terrible in the. Because um, they released it in October for some fucking weird yeah, reason. Yeah, it was very weird when it came out. Why would you shit. not release this during Christmas? So it is out? loosely based on. Uh, 2018. It's loosely based on the okay. novel and the stage play of the same name. Well, the Nutcracker, not the Four Realms, obviously. And it's about basically a young girl named Clara that receives a gift from her godfather who is played by Morgan Freeman. His name is Drosselmeyer. And she basically is transported to the Nutcracker world and she finds out, like... I don't want to go too much into it, by the way, but her mom passed away and she's trying to find out and the kingdom, like, knew about her mom. And there is a battle going on between the Four Realms. Three of the realms are fighting against the final realm and... I'll leave it at that. There's more to it, obviously, than that. She meets magical creatures and all this shit and people. And Sounds like Narnia. It does, actually, Sound but... a little bit, yeah. If you... I guess the Nutcracker... I, I've never shelled out to go see the fucking Nutcracker, but, I mean, apparently she's transported or some bullshit, too. But long story short, 
it's a really beautiful movie. It is super well shot. There, are, it's very colorful. The costumes are fucking amazing, by the way. The uh, main girl is played by Mackenzie Foy, who's been in a couple films now, and I she's think she a does ballet a ballet really dancer, right? The I think so. I don't think she's a ballet dancer, from what I know. She's been in a few movies. Um, she's, uh, what's, god damn, in Inception, she's the daughter early on, if you remember that. Not Inception, sorry, Interstellar. She's uh, oh, Murphy. Interstellar. Oh, she's yeah, Murph, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, she's Murph, and um, she's in something else, too. But it also has, um, it has some pretty big names, man. Like, Helen Mirren's in it. Um, uh, Cr- did uh, did it uh, get you dancing, Kira Knightley. Were you, were you dancing? Along with it, <laughs> I mean, there's there nut are cracking. a few sequences where they do kind of the whole Nutcracker thing, and don't get me wrong, the soundtrack's really good too. It does use all the music from the Nutcracker, which I liked a lot. Um, apparently, this movie had reshoots, and the original director, uh, Lance Halstrom, could not come back to it. So Joe Johnson actually came hmm. in to direct the rest of it. I don't, I just know <laughs> that for for what I've seen, it was a solid movie. I don't think this movie. Uh, I don't think a lot of people would know about this movie, so that's why I'm just bringing it up. Like, if you're looking for something different, guys, take a look. It's actually not that bad. Yeah, it's CGI heavy, but I would say it's comparable to like the first uh, Alice in Wonderland, which I like. It's it's not it's not a sequel or anything, right? No, not at all. It's at all fully original movie. I may I may check out my nieces then. Yeah, it's one. I mean, I'm not saying it's a knockout of the fucking park, but I I think I truthfully think this is like a hidden gem of a film. Like, I personally. Thought it was fun. I don't know if you've seen it, Nabil, but if you haven't, I know you're looking for stuff to check out. I mean, check it out, man. Like, yeah. it's got good music. The acting's pretty good. It has a twist to it that you can see from a mile away. But I mean, it's made for kids, <laughs> right? I mean, right. let's face it. And for the most part, I would, uh, yeah, it's on Disney Plus. That's why I just wanted to bring it up. I know I made a note to do for fucking four movies, but it is um, better than expected. And I, I watched this one with my mom too, actually, and she liked it a lot. So right on. And that's what I've been watching, guys. All right, guys, let's get into our mini movie review of the Studio Ghibli film Tales from Earthsea. From Studio Ghibli, creators of the award-winning Spirited Away and Howl's Moving Castle, comes a breathtaking adventure. Tales from Earthsea. Share the adventures of a powerful wizard and a young prince as they journey on an epic adventure. From Earthsea. Okay, and Tales from Earthsea was released in 2006. It's got a whopping Rotten Tomato score of 43%. So Can I, I bring up, good this there. is the only Studio Ghibli film that's considered rotten, quote-unquote. Yeah. yeah, by the I, way. I heard, I was like, damn, it shows. The plot to this movie is, in a mythical land, a man and a young boy investigate a series of unusual occurrences. Sure. 
It's directed by Goro Miyazaki, who is the son of uh, the older Miyazaki. He also did From Up on Poppy Hill in 2011. It stars Timothy Dalton, 007 himself, as Sparrowhawk or Ged. Is it Ged or Jed? I think it's sure. Jed. I think it's Jed. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was Jed. Matt Levin as Prince Aaron or Lebanon. Blair Retineau as Theru. Mariska Hargitay as Tanar. Willem Dafoe as Cobb. And Cheech Marin as Hare. And let's start with... Oh, good on the bill. You're always good to start with. <laughs> What's your history of this movie? Have you seen it before? No, I have actually not seen the film before. Um, I do. I did know that uh, I've heard of the books that, or the, I guess the series of novels that the film was based off of, but uh, I never read those either. But I've had heard of those that were really popular back when I was a bit younger. But no, I've yeah. never actually uh, seen this film before. All right, first time for all of us. What about you, James? What's your history with the movie? It's my third time seeing it, but um, yeah, Holy I never shit. saw it in theaters, obviously. So. He said, holy shit, why would you do that, James? <laughs> never read the books? Nothing? No, no, never read no. the books. Um, I mean, I mean, obviously you have ever seen it, but I mean, I'll say it right now. I'm like, did you guys like it? It's my sixth time watching it. I'm just kidding. No, it was also my first time. <laughs> it was also my first time watching it, too. So what did I, you think, though? Did you like it? It's a, it's a nay for me. And I'll start with the good, though. I liked the animation. The animation was really good. Mm-hmm. The it goes back to that, especially yeah. after fucking um, some of the other ones we've seen. It goes back to more <laughs> traditional Ghibli. Yeah, you know. I, it, it had that yeah. Ghibli feel to it. The mm-hmm. action sequences, when you see the ground moving or you see a character in action, it felt very Ghibli, and I liked that aspect of it. The performances were amazing. Timothy Dalton was great. At first, I thought that it was Sean Bean. I was trying to, to guess without <laughs> really? looking it up. Uh, and I was like, yeah. it's very familiar, but it's Timothy Dalton. Uh, Matt Levin did great. Blair Rattanao did great. Uh, Mariska Hargitay from freaking uh, that one TV show. That's, oh my gosh, it's on the tip of my tongue. Anyway, I'll come back to it. She did great too because she's, like, she's mainly a TV star. I haven't really seen her do like any animation voices or anything like that. Willem Dafoe. <laughs> Oh, yeah, Willem Dafoe. I was like, you know, wow, man. He's playing just the weirdo. Being Willem Dafoe. You know? Yeah. Just whispering and shit. He did, did great. Cheech Marin was a nice surprise. I was like, holy shit. Right on. Uh, Cheech was the uh, best thing about that film. Yeah. His voice, he acting, was about he his, his voice acting was awesome. Yeah. yeah. You can tell he just was just having a blast with it. So all that yeah. was good. The story itself, I mean, yeah, it, it just doesn't know where it wants to go. It. It it starts off completely different than where the plot leads us to, and I'm like, okay, it starts off with like two dragons like beating the shit out of each other in the sky, and then you know I totally forgot there were dragons in this movie. Like halfway through, I'm watching the movie and they <laughs> mention the dragons, and I'm like, what? There were dragons? I was like, oh yeah, there were dragons in this fucking movie. Yeah. Uh, the pacing is just kind of awful. I know that they had a lot of production issues and. Goro Miyazaki wasn't even supposed to be the one uh, to direct it. It was supposed to be his dad. And initially yeah. the deal with the author of the books was that the older Miyazaki was going to do it. But because he was too busy filming Howl's Moving Castle, then the son took over. And I guess it just led to a bunch of production issues after that. But overall, the story is just a, a fucking mess. Like, 
like I get the message, but the way it's presented and everything is is just kind of like it's just a jumbled mess, man. Like it doesn't capture me. It doesn't really leave me with a feeling like movies like Kiki's Delivery Service does, or even Howl's Moving Castle itself leaves me with. Yeah. It it has a nice message about you know in, in enjoying life and not being afraid to live and 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 yeah there's like, you know say my name yeah there's <laughs> there's you know horrible things in, that happen in life but that's that's no reason to like despise it or or, or wish ill on it or yeah. anything like that but it just yeah it just didn't do it for me I don't know what what about what about Unibill it was a bad Studio Ghibli film but an okay animated film. Yeah, I think Studio Ghibli has a very high yeah, bar. I, I mean, know. like truthfully, not the worst Ghibli film still for me. Yeah, it's. I don't think it's no. like the worst one. The animation was okay. You know, they had some really good scenes, like that opening scene with the dragons, and some good like long shots of the countryside. But then there are some parts that's like, eh, what are you guys doing here? Kind of just, I don't know. It seemed a bit of a mixed bag for me, um, where they spent more money on bigger set pieces and um, really kind of cut back on some of the animation and other parts of it. Um, I was a bit mixed on the voice acting, too. This is not the strongest voice acting from everything we've seen. I can say that for sure. Um, especially uh, Blair Rotanio, uh, who plays Thoreau. Uh She had no emotion. <laughs> she just the same emotion in everything that she she said, especially in scenes where she had the most emotions it, it, because of her character. And yet, She's for some reason, she was, she, yeah, she was also <laughs> supposed to be. She came from like a really traumatized like background. No, I too. get the backstory. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with her character. I'm saying that voice that. actress is not. Yeah. There just was no emotion behind. I mean, truthfully, I don't emotional. even like Matt Levin that much. But, this one. Yeah. I only like Timothy but, Dalton and fucking Cheech Marin. So did I. Yeah, yeah. I kind of felt. But, I, mean, I, I will say Willem Dafoe's little. He is creepy, though. He is, right? He was creepy. He played. Yeah. He, he has that kind of. That's why I say he plays. He got that drip to the character. voice. You know what I mean, I'm like, yeah. oh, oh. is he a man, woman? I don't know. And I think yeah, part I, of the story. I think Bill. Sorry to interrupt. I was just gonna say that I think that her her the blandness of of her voice. I think is supposed to represent her. I don't know. To me, represents her like trauma or whatever. But that's yeah, but even after she's out of the trauma, though, she never changed that voice. Yeah, it's it's been the same though to me at least. Yeah. Trauma like stays no with him forever, James. My bad, bro. <laughs> and um, Mariska Haggerty, Law and Order SVU. It just came to me. That's where she's from. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I just think of the Love Guru when he kept me saying that, Mar- Mariska Haggerty. <laughs> <laughs> You guys don't remember that? No, I do remember that's, that. That's every time I hear that, yeah. I see her oh, voice, man. I always think, because that's one of his little things, and then she shows up in the fucking movie. Anyways, okay. I digress. Um, I think the plot is, the problem with the plot is that he tried to shove four books into one movie. Instead of, well, you know, making a series. it's only based on the first book, though, right? It's not. It's it's based off of three books, at least, the first, the first three. Um, yeah, so it's like... There's a lot that they try to put in here with a lot of the lore that they're building up, and they don't build up on a lot of that lore. It's, and you know, we'll talk about it a bit in some of the the plot itself, but it just seems like they don't give you the detail that you need on certain things that they introduce. It just kind of falls to the wayside for some reason, and then the motivations. Like, I don't really think you're supposed to like Prince Aaron. Like, yeah, you're I, supposed I, to like him, but I, I don't agree understand to why you're supposed to like him, you know? And you you said it's supposed to be like three stories in one, right? It feels yeah. like that. It feels right. like th- like they, they, they just Which, jumbled three books into one and it's a, just yeah. a giant fucking mess. I was even going to say that, but I wasn't sure if like it was true or not because I'm like, I, feel I like know if this, it was three this movie could have just been like divvied up and they could have expanded more on everything. 
Because yeah, like, truthfully, I mean, if you don't mind me jumping in real quick, I've uh-huh. always been kind of 50-50 on this one. I like the animation. I like the fact that it's in, um, it's somewhat of a, you know, traditional s- sense of Ghibli um, animation. Yeah. yeah. You can tell I left all these other ones in the end, right? Um, <laughs> I, I think <laughs> as much as Gourmet Izagi doesn't do good in this one, he, he kills it on from up on Papa Hill, which you haven't seen yet, by the way. All right. But that's one of my personal favorites. So the I music was really good in this too. Yeah. I thought the, the I love the great. soundtrack. The, the was score good. The was good. Yeah. When the, the score hits, great. it's like it's like ooh, wow. Yeah. It's like it's it it works well with what's going on. It's just I agree with the bill though. I don't like the um. I don't think they're the voice acting is necessarily good outside of the bigger names like Timothy Dalton, Willem Dafoe, Cheech. Um, and the issue is that I wrote this like seven years ago too when I wrote originally this fucking review for this is like. The issue is that because it's based on something that has so much lore to it, they can't tell you everything directly in this film. And there, you, there's so much backstory that we're missing out on. Because it, it's kind of cool. It, the whole uh, aspect of this whole thing is really cool. Cause it, it's damn near like a Dungeons & Dragons quest, right? Uh, the whole setup of it all. It's like, oh, a yeah. mysterious sorcerer finds a boy, and he's trying to get his memory back, and blah, blah, blah. There's a sword that can't be opened. And you take a away all the backstory, like, yeah. Yeah, and like it would be so cool to see like an actual series of it like broken up more. Like you said, it's exactly. too stuffed in. And yes. I, I, I personally think the issue with this film is that it's just it's too much into too little, even though I think the runtime's too long on here, too. Well, and, and right? too, James, you know, with that, yeah. with the, what you're saying, because it's too much too little, what, what I think is interesting is the direction he decided to go because it's like there is so much to tell, but instead of telling us a lot, they, they spend time, like half of the film is on a farm, a quarter of the film is in a desert, like just the two of yeah. them are just, you know, like there's so much of this world and for some reason we're, and I guess there's bonding and some other stuff that's going on and, and trying to give you some pseudo character development, but really like you're, there isn't a lot of, you know, thing, there isn't a lot driving the, the story. They kind of pad it out a little bit for some reason and it doesn't seem to make any sense. I feel like you should have just into the more things like when they get to that city and there's a lot of stuff happening there you think that that mm-hmm. is very that's very exciting a lot of stuff happens and then they're just kind of mm-hmm. in a farm for the next rest of the film until they get into the castle and it seems that's very a side quest bro yeah. so you focus quest. more it's on the shit that doesn't matter to bill like i yeah. i agree 100 percent with what you said it's like i know they're trying to break more of like a because like sparrow hawk has like a like a romance with tanar back in the yeah. day and then through that they meet Daru, who's really too hot. But, they, the but they don't even go over that. It, it would be cool if they had and more exposition, James, on that. And like, do a flashback. Yeah, no, no, no. You know? I agree. I agree. Like, I the agree movie just it's... talks at you a lot, and I think that's the, that's yeah. the problem. Is this is an animation? You're supposed to show us with your drawings, but you're just kind yeah. of just spilling it out through dialogue, which it gets kind of boring. Yeah, it's a lot of that too. Mm-hmm. It does, yeah. which is the saddest part because I mean, like, obviously they never progress with anything else after this with this series and it's like okay well this is their biggest uh critical failure i guess although i don't right. entirely agree with that truth be told so there's a, i think there's i think a, it yeah. was i think it deserves better than a 43 percent. i would probably give it more in the like the high 50s low 60s because I'd say high 50s. like i said it's yeah. it's not yeah. a bad animated like a three film. Out of five or something yeah, no, it's just a bad Studio Ghibli film for the quality that they give on the which, other stories. Which is still better than most other exactly. anime films. So yeah, like, oh, exactly. Shit. I this mean, I prefer this one over uh, Princess Kaguya any any time of the day. There's still I, one more, I think, that I... Okay, you'll see. <laughs> <laughs> There's still Yamada. one more. That's James, James is trying si- to break me. 
He's like, I'll I told you, you that one's like my I'll second to work. Only because no, most people like that movie. Don't get me wrong; it's beautiful, right? But I mean, yeah. us personally, we're just like we're kind of bored. So I mean, yeah, yeah, you know, personal. Like I still think this. I'd watch this again over than the fucking Princess Gaguya. No offense. Yeah, I know. Same. I mean, just no. Yeah, that's what that's what I mean. Yeah, I would I would prefer this one less, over Princess Gaguya, hundred percent. Yeah. So I mean, overall, then I I mean I don't recommend it. For the most part, unless you're knocking out a Studio Ghibli thing like we are, but yeah. I'd say read the books. I, I definitely this has made me interested in wanting to read the books too because of Laura. I'm like, I feel like this would be a pretty fun. Thing <laughs> it was like, you know, Sparrow Hawk. I I, yeah. I I would constantly read the title as Tales from Arthesia. <laughs> That's an interesting. It wasn't interview. until I actually read the actual title, I was like, Oh, Tales from Earthsea. Why do I want to just call it Tales from Arthesia? I don't even. I don't even. Some have a made up for fucking that, word. I don't know. Just did, You're but like, tells from Earth this this year. Oh six, the year James graduated high school. Okay, so I, t- yeah, I take so, it you guys wouldn't re- recommend this one then. No, I, I, I mean I've seen it three one. fucking times only because of the way that I used to have to see these fucking things. So James, um, like only if I want you to feel my pain. I mean these, like I said, we've talked to it every time. These used this used to be. These movies used to be really hard to watch. So yeah, yeah. So yeah. So I mean, this is probably bottom five for me though yes yeah, and whatever I'd, that may I'd be say just like 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 i said with the with the previous movie if if you're a completionist then yeah go ahead and watch this one or if i mean any, there's still there's still something to see from it from a, uh, an aspect of gore miyazaki yeah put it on to, mute and, you know just from up on the animation poppy hill you know <laughs> is what i would say um because i i think gore miyazaki even though he doesn't want to be in Hayao Miyazaki's uh, shadow, as you you know, as you may know, is oh. yeah, kind of. I, I mean, his dad didn't even here. want him to do it, really, because of his dad of wanted him only come on to do um, the uh, what's it called the the scene the set uh, like set the blocking pieces. like he was doing not just set pieces like he was doing like the storyboards and stuff. Oh, right. yeah. And then because he was so into it, they're like, "Why don't you just fucking do it, man?" So, like I said, uh, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised when we get to From Up on Poppy Hill. I, I wish notice. I could have done the last movie with you guys. You know, that's all. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stop hiding in the sewers. And then you'd yeah, be able I to. Mean, stop trying to I would, ca- I mean, yeah, I would got, recommend that movie. You're 100%. wanted in like six counties right now, so I mean. <laughs> I don't even know keep a little profile. I'm hiding my <laughs> IP address right now, actually. You're like, I'm, I'm on a VPN, this. baby. This is, I'm from the Ukraine. Let's go. <laughs> I'm not admitting uh, to any crimes. I'm just saying I can't remember the last two weeks, all right? He said, hide your kids. Sorry. <laughs> He's like, Jesus. Imagine Marco and Money Penny fucking paint. Like, he just comes on. He's like, what's up, guys? I'm like, holy fuck. He's <laughs> wearing the white face, the huge peanut-shaped head. <laughs> All right, guys. Hey. Oh, what are we shit. reviewing today? I'd be like, please never wear that again. <laughs> uh, yeah, the last one we did was um, When the uh, Wind Rises. So Yeah, which was a good one. And I know you like that yeah. one, so. Yes. That one is, uh, I mean, that's, once again, you can just compare, like, hey, that's the master and apprentice kind of shit, dude. I mean, let's face it, Goro Miyazaki still did better than any of us probably could have done, so. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. With that, guys, that is the end of our little mini review of uh, Tales from Mercy. Let's move on to our main review now of The Sound of Metal. You sound great. Yeah, right. What? You told me you weren't feeling it? You were in it. Hey, we don't need to put them all out. I know, but we have to keep going. 
hearing is deteriorating rapidly. We'll come back. Till then, Lou, we just keep going, okay? No. Lou, no. let's play tomorrow. Let's see what it's like, okay? I'm gonna be like a click track. You can play to me. Do you understand me? I can't. I'm deaf. I'm deaf. I found a place. I think it's important that you stay here with us right now, Ruben. We're looking for a solution to, to this. Not this. I need you to wait for me. Okay, you're in for me, Lou. You're my part. You're in for me. Okay, you gotta wait for me. <laughs> so, The Sound of Metal came out, of course, this year, 2020. It's a 96% Rotten Tomatoes score. It's about a heavy metal drummer's life who's thrown into free fall when he begins to lose his hearing. It's directed by Darius Martyr, writer of The Place Beyond the pines that was out in 2011 this is starring riz ahmed as ruben olivia cook as lou paul rassi as joe and matthew almerich as richard berger a double seven quantum of solace veteran right see because we was, always come back to james bond in this yeah, book i, yeah, I was fuck, quite yeah. happy to see him when i saw when he him. showed up i thought mr bond the water <laughs> i'll be Dude, selling I back <laughs> to them i was like what I the fuck I paused the movie and I said the same thing. I was like, what the fuck is the bad guy from Quantum of Souls doing here? He still has those crazy eyes, too. Uh, he's, I mean, he's sexy that's, eyes. His, that's his part of his body. He's, Mark he's completely he untrustworthy in both movies. Oh, I'm like, man. I don't trust Mark, this guy. Marco's doing don't the tr- money penny thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'll change the eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Pennywise. I keep saying money penny. God, yeah, back to the double shit again, bro. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. Go ahead, Nabil. Well, let's let's go with you, James. So, uh, what did you think, yay or nay? I liked it a lot. Darius Martyr did the Place Beyond the Pines, which I think is one of the most depressing movies, by the way. So he wrote sad. that movie. So he's no he's no uh, stranger to uh, like not not having a happy ending. This shit. So I mean, I like this a lot. I thought it was super good. I think this is in my top ten for uh, this year. This movie, it's. I think Riz Ahmed is a surefire for like the best actor Oscar. If we're still doing that this year, I guess I'm pretty <laughs> sure they will, but I don't know when, but um, he's fantastic, man. It's it. You really feel for his character. It's one of those things where it's just like a nonstop shit going on and you kind of are rooting for this guy and he's, he makes a lot of poor decisions throughout the film, I think. And, but he's doing it for reasoning in his mind that he thinks is the correct way to do it. And uh, I loved how they shot it. I loved how, the sound in it, I mean, or lack of sound a lot of times. Um, a really good movie. Yeah. Yeah. All right, what about you, Marco? What did you think? It's a yay for me. I, uh, I agree with a lot of the stuff that, well, with everything that James said. I think that it's a very well directed, very well acted movie. I like like what James said, how it's it's sort of, the movie is meant to be watched with subtitles because it's supposed to, you know, make you feel what what the character of Ruben is feeling losing his hearing and what it's like to to str- to struggle with that feeling and that's something new that uh, I don't think I've ever experienced in a movie which is pretty cool Riz Ahmed again like how James said he's he's a really talented actor 
I've been a huge fa- fan of him ever since he did the HBO miniseries uh, The Night Of, or The Night Before, I believe is what it's called. And yeah, I, it's good to see that he's still getting you know great roles. He absolutely killed it in this. I like the struggle that he's facing in this movie and the way that it's that it's filmed. You, you just you really have a sense of like what he's going through and in in trying to get something back that that he just absolutely can't anymore. And that that struggle that that real the movie has real grit to it that that grounds it and and adds a sense of realism all his experiences everything he's going through i'm 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 a huge fan of movies that take a snapshot of someone's life that it doesn't necessarily have a beginning or an end it's just like here's this person here's the situation that they're in and here's just a snapshot of it and i i like that because it it gives you that sense of of connection to a character and like oh shit i could be in this situation or someone i know could be in this situation and I'm I'm a sucker for those types of movies, and this movie is one of those, and I appreciate it for that. What about you, Nabil? Yeah, I agree. You know, Darius Martyr did a really good job of just setting it up from out the out the gate. Just we're right in the spot where Ruben Rizamid's character is uh, experiencing the loss of hearing, and you're just kind of get, going right into it from that from the get go. It's not a build up to his history or anything like that. You're just you're just there in this snapshot of time and then you're moving yep. forward into into you know the end where it essentially does just end in that portion of his life you know and he's moving on to the next phase kind of thing so uh i thought from a storytelling perspective very well done um i kept interested in it i think that like some of the things james was mentioning and, and you marco about the the uh, auditory things where you could you're hearing stuff from his perspective sometimes and it it kind of throws yeah. you off a bit because you're not really <laughs> sure if you're hearing it as well um, or if it's from the movie. Um, I think that's a very good way of being feel, feeling immersive, trying to get involved in what he might be going through. It's That in itself, the way they told this story, I think was was masterfully done. I also think that um, Riz Ahmed's performance in this whole thing, of, of you know, especially because he's a heavy metal drummer, going through all this sudden change is, is a very... Uh, difficult thing for anybody to go through, but like especially somebody rock. who's a musician. Yeah, Sorry. just have to go through like that. <laughs> so I don't okay. think that's rock. I guess that's track. Yeah. I don't. I don't think no, it matters. But I mean, but yeah, no, no, I get no. what you're saying, Marco. So, so you know, that it's a very interesting perspective in that sense too of of what a musician would be going through, um, and and that seemed to really kind of resonate for somebody who might not be connected to it directly. Like I'm not a musician. I feel I feel like his pain and see what understand what he's going through and why he's suffering as well. So it's like a double hit for him. So and I, the dialogue yes, just adds to great. that. So, sorry, Bill. The, the dialogue just adds more depth to it too because it's so realistic too. Down to yeah, yeah. like when he's <clears throat> when he's uh talking to um to Joe and He's sort of like negotiating with himself and what and what decisions he's gonna make and their their interactions with each other and their exchange is just like it's like such a real realistic conversation and I'm like oh shit I I actually believe this I I like the fact that it's like he loses his hearing right I mean yeah. to a point what is it just twenty five percent left or something like that and it's it's down to it like he's he's thinking about like relapsing because he's a he's an he's a addict right and right. he's he's been sober yeah. for four years and he sees like music as his only way like to not be in that position again so if someone is to take that away from you 
I think the film does a good job of showing you like why he's so torn, not just between that, but mm-hmm. it's his love for his girlfriend who is also, I think, I believe was an addict as well. And yep. they both are like in this rut of like, Hey, but this is the only way we make money. So how the fuck is, how are we going to do this? And it's, it, it it's, it's one of those, like you said too, Marco, it's like a, it's a slice of life where like, it's a, yeah. like it takes a, it takes a weird turn and that's how life is. It doesn't always play out perfect, you know? And, because it's not um, just like a livelihood for them, but it's an outlet for them too. Like you said, yeah. it's a it's a replacement for their addiction. And when your you, when your safety net is just all of a sudden like stripped from you like that, it leaves mm-hmm. you in, in such a vulnerable state where you're you're willing to do almost anything to get that back because you don't know what the hell yeah. you do with yourself. Right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right. So you know, honestly, I think we've talked a lot about what we liked and what we didn't like, what worked well. So I think the best option is to really kind of go a bit deeper and, and talk into spoilers so I, agree. I think everybody kind of is in the right consensus here that we do recommend this film and it's oh, yeah, definitely, definitely worth a watch yes streaming so, on prime video by the way yeah i know we prime mentioned video. it early on but so definitely a recommendation you guys take take a look at it we're going to go into spoilers so if you want to skip ahead a little bit and you want to win this for yourself we do recommend you guys give this a watch ahead of time so maybe you know come back and listen to it afterwards but uh for now we're going to go into spoilers so uh james let me let me get your thought on something here regarding uh yes. the whole plot of what Ruben's decision was of getting the implants when yeah. he had that you know the crossroads section that he was put into what did what did you think about you know that position he kind of put himself in and making the decision he made I think like two things with that you're talking about his cochlear implant right right and why he decided to go do it and not tell anyone and yeah I think he fit really well into that group truthfully yeah I and I think um Joe notices that is like, yo, you like the kids love you and like you're doing a lot of good here and he's he's finally working through his demons, but I think I think he's I think it shows that Ruben is like scared of actually something other than what he thought he really wanted working. And I I like that division of like, oh, but then he sees he's secretly trying to see what Lou's up to still and it. Mm-hmm. Truthfully, she's she's actually doing really well she and is. that like like yeah. fucks him up when he sees that. And he's like, oh, I got to get like, we got to get back on track. Like, we're both not doing what we, we we said we were doing. And like, he's actually doing really well. And he, you know, he learns ASL, which is, I think is awesome. Mm-hmm. And and then Lou is actually back home and like cleaned up and like, she's doing really well for herself too. And it's, it's really tragic that they kind of realize like, hey, you know, she says to him at one point, like, hey, hey you saved me, you know, early on and stuff. And mm-hmm. When he brings up the fact about getting the band back, she starts getting really like anxious and like starts scratching it. And it's like it's yeah. a sign, like oh, like that's not the right path for you guys, you know. And I think at that time, it, it it's a rough moment because I think Ruben realizes like probably didn't need to do the cochlear implant because I I don't think it's the quality he thought it was going to be either. Right. He's very. But you would have thought it like would have been clearly is. explained to him before spending see, eighty yeah, grand. Yeah, but you know? for the movie, I guess they're like, yeah, yeah they're going to sound like C-3PO. I don't know, man. <laughs> It sounds fucking crazy. It it's very tragic though with that kind of feel because I, I I mean me personally watching that I was like I wanted him to stay at the group you know but I mean that's yeah. the Hollywood ending right like stay at the group and fucking be friends with everyone and you're doing really well you know sell you sold all your shit already who cares you yeah. know and then I mean who would have known he'd eventually become a pilot for the Empire like what the fuck right <laughs> Bodhi Rook. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah he's like, and had he's that little squid creature get into his eyes, and that's <laughs> fucked his ears up too again. I was like, twice now, <laughs> fuck guys. <laughs> no, all joking aside, I, I, that's what I kind of want to talk about. Spoilers, yeah. like, I, I, his decision is not what I think I would want to happen, especially. Um, I guess the cochlear implants themselves are a. I read up on it in the deaf communities. Is seen as kind of like you're trying to shy away, and because the whole point is like you're not trying to show that being deaf is a real disability, and right, you yeah, know, and it can they're be proving it, fixed, but it's not really. Yeah, fixed. yeah, and I mean, I don't know if I could handle that kind of fucking um, that feedback in there too is insane, right? Oh yeah. I was well, like, I, I think too, like you know, how how unrealistic is it if you think you have the money for it you know like i feel like some people would actually want to go for that and do that and like and like to you too marco about the whole idea of you know he was at like a 20 percent, 26 percent hearing yeah and then doing Uh, his implants they had to shave in they had to trim it down and get into his ear canals he can't hear at all it's zero percent it's complete silence now so unless he's got those suckers on i felt that that whole that whole scene that whole experience was gut-wrenching for me because I knew what it meant. And like James said, like he had Ruben had immersed himself completely into the group with Joe and everyone. And it was just so nice to see him like teaching the kids how to play drums. He had become friends with them. He, he gave uh, one of the other kids or I think uh, counselors a, a tattoo. Him and Joe uh, had a, a great relationship. Joe was was also helping him center himself as well because Joe himself was also an ex addict, and they had that bond, that connection. It, right. was, mm-hmm. it was sort of like a surrogate father for him. And it was I'm I'm not gonna lie, it was a fucking rough scene when Ruben is talking to Joe and and he's asking to come back to the group, and Joe is tearing up and telling him he can't. And I was like, I yeah, I lost my shit. And that was pretty fucking rough i was yeah it is as welling up man it was a rough conversation but it just shows how like powerful like the dialogue is in this movie and just like the the overall performances too just spot yeah, on that, man. that actor paul rossi i don't i don't think i've ever seen him anything I, yeah he looked familiar but i couldn't like pin it down to what he'd done before. He's an actual like actor. He's not he's not deaf from what I've seen. So like he he's an actor, but I've never seen him anything else. But I, I liked him a lot. Like he he worked really well as that guy that works. I mean, <laughs> I mean what am I saying? He worked really well as that deaf counselor <laughs> guy. Like what the fuck? What a specific! He, I can't wait to see him again in another role like that. Right? He co- uh, he comes from a, from well. a family though that uh, that has deaf people in it. So oh that's, that's cool. Why, so yeah, he that's why the project's kind of close to him. Yeah. And yeah. he he's recorded music for the hearing impaired too. Oh, so that's yeah, very that's pretty cool. Okay, yeah. I like that. Now let me let me ask you guys: What did you guys think about uh, Lou and her kind of story arc in this whole thing? Because she she was really trying to help, obviously, to make sure that he goes and doesn't I, get addicted to heroin. Yeah, but. which I like. I mean, she's the one, and she realizes that hey, like this is not going to work out eventually by the end. And right. I think. I think the real story arc is that her fucking eyebrows go from bleach to right. <laughs> back to brown. I, I was, was like, like, oh, okay. There you she are, really Olivia bleached Cook. them, too. I know. No I mean, I can tell Marco did, too. Look at Marco. <laughs> came in with bleached eyebrows. <laughs> yeah. today, baby. I'm, in, I'm, I'm playing Lou. I did my hair, too. Got the, I got um, the tattoos on my chest now, too. I'm ready. I got a drum set behind me for no reason. 
truthfully, I thought she'd be a bigger part of the story, though. I thought yeah, when they announced that Olivia Cook was the uh, person, that I was like, oh, she's probably going to be a bigger role. But mm-hmm. uh, she's she's in it for as much as she needs to be, though. She's not like you know, it's not anything lost on it too. And yeah, um, it's cool. But I, like I, I, I think was, like you know, like what James mentioned earlier, though, with with, with them too, and how they realized that them being in a band together and doing music was just wasn't their path. I think that holds true and that's it it it, it kind of showcases how, you know, you'll you'll start off at one point with a group of people, a group of friends or significant other and then, you know, it turns out that that just wasn't for you and it just showcases that th- those things happen in life, you know, no matter what point in your life that you're in. And it could happen under, you know, severe circumstances or under regular circumstances and in this case it happened you know, after, you know, he had to go through all that. Yeah. And, you know, that's kind of what I was saying with like Darius Martyr and his, his uh, direction, because you go in and it's the end of that four year relationship, essentially where this is going. And it ends with him uh, and her kind of parting ways, like you were saying earlier, James, mm-hmm. because they kind of recognize yeah. that this is, th- it's not good for them anymore. And that there's, they've got to move on to the next chapter of their lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's, it's, it was very well done the way they did that because it could have just as been easily like, uh, you know, one of those uh, angry breakups or some he's dismissive because he's you know feels like he's disabled or something or whatever it might yeah, be yeah. and, and it, lean into something and it was more just like uh, they're people they're amicable they under they recognize what situation they're in they love each other but it's not it's not gonna work anymore at it's not healthy for those two yeah. truthfully is what they kind of get at it's, it's almost like yeah because the guy asked him like when did you meet four years ago how long you been sober four years so it's like she was kind of like the refresher in his life to get out of that kind of lifestyle yeah. and i think truthfully they they got enough benefit from each other but it was just ultimately like life isn't perfect you know like things happen like this so mm-hmm. you know one day we don't know maybe to bill go off and do his own podcast we don't know fuck man he might just be like i don't the know movie this, fellow <laughs> the movie fellas, yeah, the movie fellas, the movie guys, the movie guys. Huh. I'm gonna guy. write that down. Okay. The film guys. Reviews with the bill. The bill's corner. Solo. It's, a solo. it's a solo right act. Enough. It's a solo yeah. act. Yeah. I only like my shit. It's just about British broadcast channel show and fucking I don't know what are dramedies on this fucking TV right now, bro. Real quick, the ending I want to talk about. Real quick, the very end. I did you did you see that as like him realizing maybe it was a mistake getting the cochlear implants, I guess, and just kind of basking in the si- silence, like just being like maybe this is what I I needed. Yeah, you and know, it was like, apparent. Because yeah. Joe kind of says like when you get that to that point of where you don't have to do anything and you just bask in silence. So I mean that's kind of a throwback to when he was talking to him, right? Right. The yeah, stillness I think of not that's... wanting to get up. Yeah, he, it's him, you know, accepting, you know, his his life that he's and, deaf, and where right? it is. Yeah, he's. I mean, he, he's ultimately accepting, you know, the, the consequence of everything, and he's like, "This is where I'm at now." Yeah, it's it's apparent when he gets into. Fr- uh, I think they're in Paris. I'm not sure what part of France they were in, but um, when so. he's in the city streets and it's or, just yeah. cars and and everything's honking and it's all around him, and you can tell he's a bit annoyed with it, um, yeah. especially with the distorted sound. And then finally going into that park bench and just kind of sitting there and and sitting in his silence, yeah, I think that that is. I I like to think that he you know kind of learned from uh, Joe and you know that's like you said that kind of he learned how to be still and not yeah. want to do something. But I also hope that that translates into him trying to find a way to go back, and and you know redeem himself Me too. with him you know i mean we'll never know but i mean someone yeah. was like i wonder i hope he had a good life you know 
Yeah. yeah. So I, I, you know, the story, the, the plot. I will say for anybody listening, you can see that we're we're holding out to a couple of scenes here. It's it's very it's it's a very straightforward plot as far as A to to B and where it's going because yeah. it is a very short period of time. But there's just it because there's not a lot of dialogue driving the film. It it really is. It's it's an audio. Uh, thing you're you're kind of seeing the visual, emotions visual i'm sorry visual and audio where you're just kind of listening and you're seeing the way that this character is kind of growing and throughout or dealing with this uh situation that he you know was life-changing situation but it's very impactful and it's, it's a very enjoyable watch and and i think it, it is a lot to, to learn from it too just how how one kind of part of your life suddenly just stops and is over and there's nothing you can do about it and you got to find a way to adapt into something new and you know either be a better person from it grow from it or in some cases you might you know still continue to struggle with it and may not be able to really uh, overcome it so i think the story itself very well told very visually very good uh, very well done and also uh different from other films the audio of it just listening in and, and getting the perspective has is also very immersive and uh i think that it's something that anybody should should definitely take some time to really sit down and watch and, and give yourself some time to reflect on yeah so sometimes things happen that are out of our control and there's nothing that's going to change that and it, it like you said nabil we have to adapt to it or we have to learn to to cope with it and learn to live with it eventually and this is a really nice way or a realistic way of like portraying that awesome uh with that being said guys that is the end of the podcast podcast number 88 so well, thank you guys for listening thanks for the feedback response and reviews marco let them know how they can reach us check us out on facebook instagram or twitter at moviepalspod also, if you use Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or Stitcher, hit that subscribe button, and you'll never miss an episode. Also, rate us, review us, share us, uh, keep sending us your feedback and comments on our posts. We we hear you, and it's nice to interact with all of you. So, yeah. Definitely. Uh, one more episode left for this, the year, actually, guys. We've, we've somehow survived through 2020. So I thought you said one more it. episode, we're done. It's over. <laughs> yeah, we, that's no it. more, baby. <laughs> we made it. We're just, we've been trying to give you subtle uh, context, but uh, we're starting a new one. Sorry, guys. It's happening. No, uh, episode 89 will be happening. We'll be recording on the 28th, two weeks from now, and we're going to be doing a double feature here, possibly have a uh, guest with us that uh, for this episode as well double to hit. end out the year. We are going to be doing, uh, because they're streaming on Christmas Day, Wonder Woman 1984, which is coming out on HBO Max, and the Pixar movie Soul, which will be streaming on Disney+. Plus. So uh, be on the lookout for that, because it will be out shortly after Christmas, actually. So, Until next time, guys, this is James. And Marco. And Nabil. Have a good one.